Hey, welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored you're here. The word Kalos means beautiful in, well, poorly pronounced Greek. But we're all about making known the beauty of Jesus. So why don't we dive in to last week's sermon right now. All right, well, let's talk about ancient future. And uh, we are in this series because we believe that the future of the church is rooted in our past. Like a tree, we can only grow fruit if we are connected and rooted to the soil that supplies us with nutrients. And so while we're moving in the future as a church, we are tied to our past. We are an ancient future church. And today I want to talk about the reality that often we forget about our past. So let's turn to Mark 8 and read a story of Jesus and the disciples dealing with forgetfulness. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they're saying, so he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand? He asked them. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for your scripture and your word. And I pray today, we want to just be hearers of your word, but doers in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Have you ever forgotten something and it cost you? Are there any people here that deal with short-term memory? Anybody here know someone in this room that deals with short-term memory? Does anybody here deal with short-term memory? <laughs> you know, in my marriage, my, my wife has pretty high standards for me. You know, this morning, I, I remembered the car seat. I remembered the stroller, but then she got mad because I forgot the baby. <laughs> Have you ever forgotten something and it cost you? Actually, I didn't bring any of my kids to church today or anything. Kim and Kira did that. Thank you very much. God bless you. <laughs> and you know, this idea of forgetfulness, it can cost you. On Friday, I experienced this in a very personal matter. I was driving down Highway 405. I got off and then I, I saw some lights red and blue behind me, and I saw a motorcycle trying to pull me over, which I had to swallow my pride and allow myself to be pulled over by a motorcycle. And so I'm on the side of the road, police officer comes up to me, Obi's making noise, my son Obi's making noise in the back seat. I roll down the window, and the officer says, hey, do you know why I pulled you over? I go, yes, but why don't you tell me? <laughs> I don't want to tell you something you don't already know. <laughs> he said, well, uh, your, your uh, tabs, they have been expired since August. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I forgot to renew the tabs since August. Well, it's only, only seven months late. I was just kind of hoping I waited out till next August, and 
it's worth the price of the ticket. And he said, well, you, you forgot to renew your tabs. I can look through my records. And I'm like, oh, man, that's a $200 ticket. I don't like that. He asked me for my insurance. I'm like, oh, no, did I renew the insurance? I, I don't know. I forgot. So I'm like frantically looking through the car. I can't find it. I go, sir, can I, can I go on the, the Internet? to find my insurance. He's like, sure. And so I, I look it up. I go to Geico or something, and I, I actually find it. It's in there, and I just show him my phone, and, and he writes the ticket, and I'm on my way. But that forgetfulness could have been forgetfulness for insurance, but it did result in a ticket for forgetfulness to not renew my tabs. Anybody ever been there? And sometimes, come on, ah, this is my church. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes forgetting costs you something and sometimes I feel like we as people have short-term memories not just when it comes to our cars or chores but sometimes in our spiritual lives we have short-term memory and I can almost feel the frustration Jesus has with the disciples in this scripture they're on the boat they forget the bread and they're arguing and Jesus is like why are you arguing about bread I just fed 5,000 people, not counting women and children, with like 12 loaves of bread. I'm the bread maker, disciples. I can make, call me Martha Stewart. You want gluten-free, you want rye bread? I can make it. Why are you arguing about a lack of bread? Like, hey, and then, and then he drives the point home again. He's like, how many loaves of bread did I have when I fed the 4,000? They're like, seven, 12. He's like, and then Jesus doesn't relax. He's like, do you remember anything at all? How hard are your hearts? <laughs> Jesus, I just want bread. He's like, I make bread. I make bread for the th- I am bread. I'm the bread of life. I make bread every day, disciples. And you're arguing. Just ask me for bread. I make you bread. Why are you arguing? He's just frustrated with him, it seems, in the scripture. I mean, these words are so in. Tense. Now, I feel sometimes like in our spiritual lives, we have short-term memory with God, and we are just like the disciples arguing about bread when we are in the presence of the one who provides for us day in and day out. Do you remember praying for what you have in your life now? Lord, please, if you could just help me pay rent this month. Lord, please help me get married. Help me to find a partner. Lord, if I could just have one friend. Lord, help me to find a church. Lord, help me to get past this sickness. And then the Lord answers, right? How many of us have experienced miracles from God? How many of us have experienced answered prayers? But then the next challenge comes in our life and we're like, God, where are you? Do you even love me? God, why are you forsaking me? I feel like God's like, hey, don't you remember all of these answered prayers? Don't you remember praying for the reality you're walking in now? But in those moments when things aren't working out, it's like that short-term memory starts to take place, and we forget that God is good. We forget that God loves us. We forget that we can cast our cares on God, and he will take care of us. We forget, and we forget, and we forget. And I think this is a a big problem for us in our faith journeys, this problem of short-term memory, and it will cost us. You know, throughout the scriptures, we see warnings 
about forgetting, that when we forget, we're, we're prone to go back into these same habits and mistakes. When we forget, our faith in God lowers. When we forget, we say, ah, I'm just going to do things my own way, and I have to do this alone because God is nowhere near me. When we forget, we fall into a lot of traps and dangers and cycles. We go back into the same old relationships. We go into the back into the same old addictions. We go back into spending money on things we should have never spent money on. We let people have their way in our hearts and our minds and, and just hook us back. And when we forget what God has done in our life, it seems like we fall into these traps. Have you ever noticed that we often forget the things worth remembering and we often remember the things worth forgetting? Have you ever noticed that in your life? You know, when I I look in some of these scriptures, especially in Psalms, I I see a warning for what happens to us when we forget. In Psalm 78, God is giving a warning through the psalmist, and he says, For he issued his laws to Jacob in Psalm 78. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children, so that the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will lead their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. The warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his instructions. They forgot what he had done, the great wonders he had shown them. We see when they they forgot the wonders and the miracles and the provision of God, they fled in a time of battle. Their hearts became stubborn. Forgetting cost them, cost them a victory cost them a soft heart, cost them having a true and vibrant faith in God. When we have short-term memory with God and his miracles and his provision in our lives, it costs us something great. And so today, I, I want to share with all of us a tool that has helped me to remember the faithfulness of God, a tool that I believe could greatly aid in your spiritual life and I know the frustration of forgetting. I mean, a pet peeve of mine is when I go to a restaurant with a group of people, I give an order that can be a little complicated, and then the server says, ah, I don't need to write this down. I got it. My brain is smart. And I go, I question your brain, but I will trust you. And then they come back with the wrong order, and I go, aha, you heart of heart server. Can't you remember anything at all? Where were you when I fed the last group with four lows that you can't even remember? Nah, I, I used to wait tables, so I don't have that hard of an attitude. But I, I do get upset when people refuse to write things down and then they forget. In the same way, I feel like God's like, why don't you remember that I have a plan, a good plan for you? Why don't you remember that I will take care of you? Why don't you remember I love you and you are my children? And so that we don't fall into the warning that we see in the Psalms, I want to challenge us to record and remember. I want us to challenge, I want to challenge us to blow the dust off of the ancient spiritual discipline of meditative writing, otherwise known as 
journaling, otherwise known as journaling. So the title of my message today is, Why Do We Journal? Why do we journal? So point number one, journaling or meditative writing, as it was anciently called, is an ancient spiritual practice. This is something that we have inherited from generations past. How many of you would say you journal? You already journal. It's been taught to you. It is a powerful principle. It is something that has shaped my prayer life. It has shaped the way I've been able to process and think and walk in my relationship with God. It has helped me to study the scripture. It is something that I was taught in the very beginnings of my spiritual journey with Jesus, and I'm so thankful. And there are a couple of reasons throughout the Bible I want to share why we journal, and I want to talk about the benefits of journaling and some practical ways to get us started in journaling if you haven't undergone the spiritual discipline yet. But the first thing I want to ask you is this. Did you know that God writes in a book? This could be called journaling if you want. It's kind of a stretch, but I just want to establish the case that God keeps a book. Exodus 32, 32, it says this. But now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. So Moses acknowledges that God writes in a book. Philippians 4.3, New Testament. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. God keeps the book. Revelation 20.12, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. God writes in a book, and today I want to propose that we journal the eternal. Why? Because if God can keep a book of life, I can put my life in a book. Let me say that again. If God can keep a book of life, I can put my life in a book. And so not only does God write in a book, and just like God didn't need to take a Sabbath, like God is all-powerful, has all the energy ever created. He created energy. But like Pastor Amritha taught us last week, he still rested. And I'm so thankful for the example God has given us. And all-knowing God, he's not going to forget anything unless he chooses to. But he keeps a book. He writes in a book. And I think this is a great example for us. And in fact, in the scriptures, we see that many times when God speaks to prophets, leaders, people recorded in the Bible, he encourages them to write down the things that they're hearing from the Lord God Almighty. For example, in Jeremiah 30, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, write down for the record everything I have said to you, Jeremiah. So God keeps a book and then he tells the people he's talking to, to also write things down. In Habakkuk 2, another example of this, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. 
Again, we see God encourages them to write down the message so that it will be plain, so that you won't forget it. And while this promise might seem slow, it will happen and you will have this recorded down so you will remember that I am faithful, I fulfill my promises, I keep my word. So don't forget, record and remember that I have a plan, I have a will, and I have provision for you. And so this is an ancient practice that has been passed down from generation to generation. God keeps a book. The people and leaders of God in the Bible, they wrote in a book, early church Christians and church fathers and mothers, they, they wrote memoirs and confessions, all documented so that we can inherit our spiritual faith our faith is not our own. We have learned from many people before us. And that's why it's so important as a church for us to move forward. We must blow the dust off of these ancient practices so that we can be holistic, healthy, and vibrant Christians. Amen. Amen. And so I, I just remember as a young Christian being taught this principle. Keep a journal. Process. Write things down. Make it plain. Keep this clear. And I'm like, I don't want to keep a journal. I'm not, I'm not a girl. I don't want a diary. <laughs> I'm a man. Because I remember sneaking in my sister's closet and reading her diary. Ooh, look at all this hot goss. This is exciting. This is amazing. I can't believe Steven said that. <laughs> I don't like mom right now either. <laughs> and I, I just... I didn't want to be that exposed, and I didn't really want to journal. I didn't want people to know what I was thinking. But my spiritual mothers and fathers really encouraged me to start journaling. So without questioning, I just began a journey of journaling, and it's amazing. I was in practice and in and, and research for the sermon. I, I opened up some old journals and memories and processes and thoughts and feelings that I have completely forgotten about, I've been able to uncover and kind of reflect on the goodness of God in my life. God, you are so good. You're so, so faithful. I want to read an excerpt of Teenage Pradeepan from a journal. And this is the first time I went to Sri Lanka. And I was asked to minister at a church as a teenager. It was amazing. And as I was there in a time that was very unstable, the Civil War was about to resurface, and my, my parents had actually asked me, don't go to Sri Lanka. There's too much trouble. There's too much war. It's still in a time of unrest, but I, I really wanted to connect with the, the land of my people. It was just burning in my heart, so I, I went alone, and it was still very dangerous. And I'm at this church, and I hear machine guns about five feet away from I'm speaking. And that's why I'll pick up this journal piece. Teenage Pradeepin. That's when I felt my first grenade vibrations. It was pretty intense for even a Sri Lankan church service. The pastor summoned the body to pray, and that's what they did. Since I was situated in the direction of the prayers, I got to see people crying out of true desperation. In those moments, I saw 23 years of Civil War memories, lost children, and parents, broken spirits, pain, hopelessness, all in the eyes of those praying. What I saw was accompanied with the anguish of resurfaced tsunami nightmares. These people go through so much. Those eyes, they've gone through so much. And though I couldn't relate, I was part of it. 
I mean, this is a memory I completely forgot in about. And yet it has been so formative as I think about my walk in faith, my spiritual journey, connecting to the country of my people. This is something I, I probably wouldn't have even remembered in a story to share how God has taken care of me, how God has revealed truths to me. But because I wrote it in a journal, I was able to relive it and thank God in a fresh way. And I'm so thankful for the spiritual practice that people have taught me. It has helped me uncover the wisdom and the truth and the provision that God has shared with me all along my journey of faith. And I I found this principle to be true, and it's this. The faintest ink, I love this quote, the faintest ink is more powerful than the strongest memory. The faintest ink is more powerful than the strongest memory. There are things so significant in our lives that we think we'll remember forever, like the goodness of God. But it seems like when years go by, five years go by, and we face another challenge, we forget that God has ever taken care of us in our past. And it's like, Jesus, do you remember anything at all? And I can avoid that conviction because I have kept a journal and I can remember and I don't have to forget all the benefits of God. And so writing down helps us to remember, but it also benefits us in so many different ways. And point number two, the power of journaling and why I choose to journaling is this. Journaling connects our true selves to the God of truth. I've just seen this principle over and over again. Let me read a quote by Anne Broyles. Journal writing is a sharing between our true selves and the God of truth. In journaling, we come to know ourselves as we really are and feel the acceptance of the one who loves us no matter what. Journaling becomes spiritual discipline when we use pen and paper to strengthen our faith in God. Journaling can be a significant tool in deepening our spiritual lives because by its nature, it leads us to further revelation of who we are and who God is in our lives. Journaling is a spiritual discipline that benefits us in so many ways. It helps us to understand our thoughts. It helps us to process. Paul says it like this in Ephesians 3, 4. If you read my words, you will have some idea of the depths that I see in the mystery of Christ. For those of us who journal, isn't that true? If you read my words, you can understand the depths that I've seen and have experienced. Sometimes when people ask me, hey, Pradeepan, how are you? And I just say, Pradeepan.com, read my blog. (laughs) If you want to know how I'm really feeling... I mean, even in our, our marriage, there are some times where Pastor Amritha will realize what I'm going through when she sees what I write or hears what I preach because I, I've taken time to process it. And some of us are not microwave processors. Some of us are crockpot processors. And journaling is a place where those things can come off. Anne Frank, the diary of Anne Frank, she wrote this. In writing, I can shake off everything as I write. My sorrows disappear. My courage is reborn. There's so many beautiful things that happen when we journal. Some of the things I want to list out, it helps me connect with God. 
There's some times where I feel like my prayers are just bouncing off the wall. I feel like I'm not sharing the things that are really articulating what's going on in my heart. So writing helps me connect with God in a different, fresh way. If you feel like you haven't connected with God, hey, here's another tool to connect with God in a different way. Another thing, it helps me process. It helps me to understand what I'm feeling. When I, when I journal, I feel like I'm whispering and listening to myself at the same time. It helps me to, to process. When I write it down, I'm like, oh, yes, that's, that's how I feel. It's really hard to lie to yourself when you journal, and it's really easy to lie to yourself when you pray out loud. That's just something I've noticed. Oh, God, I trust that you are good. I'll pray that out loud. But when I journal, God, I'm so angry at you. Where are you? Why is this happening to me? I found that it's hard to lie with journaling. And so journaling helps me process. Another thing that it helps me with is it helps declutter my mind. I feel like I can make physical what's emotional in my mind. You ever feel like you have thoughts that are just on a loop in your brain and they're just negative and there's all this self-talk and there's all these lies and there's this pain and you keep on rehearsing these same words, these same images and thoughts. Sometimes I'll get in a fight with someone and I'm just rehearsing that conversation over and over. I should have said this. I should have done this. What, ah, man, what, what do they mean? And so I will just journal it out, my feelings my thoughts, and there's something about that that takes all this negative energy in my mind, and it makes it physical, and I can just say, oh, I can, I can rest. I don't, I've gotten it out of my system. I've articulated it, so I don't have to keep meditating on this anymore. It helps me to declutter my mind, and like we are talking about in this sermon over and over, it, it helps you to, to remember you can look back and see how God has taken care of you. You can look back and see how you've grown as a follower of Jesus. You can look back and see all the answered prayers. It keeps a record of the goodness of God so that you don't forget all the benefits of God. And so I, I, I love this. I love this. I, I found that, here's another quote, that meditative writing is like writing a letter to one we love. Memories are recalled, convictions are clarified, and affections well up with us. In writing, we may discover that emotions are intensified and prolonged. Because of this, journaling can also serve in identifying and healing hidden, suppressed emotions such as anger, fear, and resentment. There's something that happens when you write, something that happens in your emotional reality. When I first started developing a friendship with Amritha, she was uh, about to travel to India for the first time for 10 days. And this was in a season when we were falling in like and falling for each other, though I would never admit it. Because back then she called me Mr. Boundaries. <laughs> And so she's about to go to India for 10 days. She was adopted from India, had never been back there since she grew up in Kansas. And, and so I, I remember how formative my travel experience to Sri Lanka was. And so I, I, I wrote her a letter for every day she was in India. Come on. That's what her family said. They're like, this guy likes you. Mom, no, he doesn't. 
He's not dating anybody. He wants to be a bachelor to the rapture. That's what I used to be. I used to say to people. <laughs> not many people advocating like celibacy like I used to. Come on. So, uh, mom, he doesn't like me. Honey, he wrote you 10 letters. One for every single day. That, that, a boy doesn't just do that. Okay, and, and, and we, we even get in a fight about this all the time. She's like, you liked me back then. I'm like, no, I'm just living my life. <laughs> She's like, you wrote me letters. I was like, yeah. And then and I remember when I gave her all those letters right before she went to India, I, uh, we both forgot to pay at this restaurant we were at because we were just so goo-goo-gaga looking at each other. <laughs> and then, and then I, I, she called me, and I was like, honey, or not, honey, I was like, hey, uh, Amy Miller. <laughs> That's what we called her back then. Hey, I can't talk to you. Uh, I was thinking about those letters, and now I'm driving the wrong way on a one-way street. <laughs> we were just like so, our heads were in the cloud. We were so like just freshly falling in like and love. And it was these letters, though, that really articulated a lot of feelings into everybody but me and Amritha slash Amy Miller. It was obvious that there were affections woven in every sentence and paragraph of these letters, even if I didn't realize it, even if she didn't realize it. And this is the power of journaling, that it helps us process. It helps us feel these emotions. It helps us relive these pasts. And I've noticed that my journal many times is, is like writing a love letter to God. It's like carrying on this conversation. It's like sharing my deepest, darkest secrets with someone I trust and someone I know cares about me, someone I know is listening to me. And it's like when I look at these journals and even relive these letters, I'm like, honey, I got to relive and reread those letters again. I'm so excited. And you can kind of like praise God again for something that happened once. And it's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. And so journaling benefits us in these ways of having a personal and loving and processed and honest relationship with God. For those of us who feel like we need a fresh connection with God, for those of us who feel distant from God, journaling might be not just answered prayers, but the answer to your prayers. It's a powerful principle. And I just want to share this, point number three. Journaling doesn't require perfection. You don't have to write eloquently. You don't write have to perfect. You don't have to be this amazing saint when you write. In fact, I like this. It's a little bit of a pun, but you can write your wrongs with journaling. W-R-I-T-E. <laughs> oh, I heard just an audible groan. Oh. <laughs> you can write your wrongs with journaling. And so some of us who are wanting to refresh our spiritual journeys, for, for us who want to blow the dust off of this ancient practice, you're wondering, how do I start? Where do I begin? I want to make this really practical. So I want to, I want to put up some notes on how you can start. And I just want to encourage you, get a journal. Literally buy a journal. I, I use this kind of journal. This is like a $12 journal called a moleskin that I think like Ernest Hemingway used. <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci, probably DiCaprio as well. <laughs> they all use this. You know, it's, it's pretty awesome. And uh, <laughs> so you can, 
Buy a journal um, at Daiso. It's like a Japanese dollar store. You can get a journal for like a dollar. It's a dollar store, and it looks the same. just doesn't feel as soft. Uh, I encourage you, pick a consistent time uh, to, to write and a consistent place to write and just develop a habit. And uh, on the other hand, I like to carry this around. Sometimes I use my phone as well. But also, not just a consistent time and place, write when you're inspired as well. And so, like, I don't know. I've never really taught this at Kalos Church, but when I first became a Christian, I, I was taught to have a journal with me whenever you go to a church service and, and take notes with the sermon because God, God will speak to you and you will remember instead of having these fleeting thoughts and forgetting the revelation or a scripture that pops out to you or a phrase you're like, mm, when Pastor Pradeepan said that pun, man, God just spoke to me. Don't forget that, Kalos. Remember that pun forever. And so I, I carry something to write around with me always because I always have like sermon ideas or thoughts or a prayer I want to write out or, uh, you know, even lyrics to songs that I'm writing. They just kind of come. And you'll find that the more you write, the more you're going to want to write because you'll, you'll be able to process a little bit more eloquently. So have a consistent time, but also write when inspired. And Sometimes if you don't know what to write, I encourage you to use some prompts. So sometimes I'll, I'll just start my journal with, dear God, and then let it flow. Or, or I'll, I'll write a question to myself like, what is God communicating to me? You know, and I think of all my conversations, thoughts, doubts, fears, encouragement I've had. And then a follow-up to that question I'll often write, how does that make me feel? And boom, journal prompt. Sometimes I just write prayers. Sometimes I just yell at God. Sometimes I rehash a conversation. Sometimes I bullet point things that have gone on in my life. It's a powerful principle. And then you can look back over the year and realize, wow, God has done a lot. A lot has happened in my life. A lot has happened throughout the years. And then I, I'd encourage you, don't edit and uh, I'm going to say this next phrase when it, it's concerning not alcohol, but in the spirit of God. The Bible says, don't be drunk on wine, but on the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. And so I just want to say this. When you write, write drunk and edit sober. Write drunk in the spirit. <laughs> edit sober. So just write. Let it flow. Don't, and that's why I encourage you to, to use pen and paper when you write, because it's hard to be a perfectionist when you're writing by hand. When you're writing on a computer, you can delete and rephrase and switch out words, and then you're, you're getting writer's block. Just let it flow. Don't think too hard about it. Just kind of write. And then I encourage you to write a date and location for each post so that you can recall this in the past. And finally, this is just maybe a pet peeve for me, but get a pen you like if you're going to write by pen and paper. What's your favorite pen? Anybody have a favorite pen? Just yell it out. Feather pen? I like, I like the, the Pilot G2. Anybody with me? If I'm feeling a little crazy, G7. <laughs> if I'm really going through something. But those are some practical things to get started. And I just want to encourage you, stop, stop forgetting just like, like the disciples are on the boat and they're arguing, I want to encourage you with this rhyme if you've been waiting for the rhyme. Stop fretting and forgetting and journal the eternal. 
let me say that again. Say it with me, in fact. Stop fretting and forgetting and journal the eternal. So I just encourage you, go on a date with God, write a love letter, write out a prayer. Just just try it once. If you don't like it, hey, at least you know another tool to try. And uh, I, I just want to close with a testimony from my own life and even just reminders to trust God through a difficult challenge. You know, it's a uh, it's the end of January, and a year ago, exactly, uh, I wrote about Obi's autism for the first time, publicly. It was the first time we wrote on Facebook and Instagram. It's the first time we, we let the world, hey, this has been uh, a challenge we're dealing with in the Jiva household. And I just want to write this, because even a year later, I, I've already seen God do so much, and I'm reminded of some of my, my pain of the past, and, the, the thankfulness I've had that I've been able to trust God. I, I wrote this. Uh, after fighting for months and spending lots of money to get him officially evaluated, Obi received a diagnosis from two different doctors. Regressive autism. One in 37 boys are diagnosed with autism. Therapists told us there's no hope for recovery and we shouldn't grieve the loss of our son's old personality. Rather, we should celebrate that he's differently brained. We were told that autism only moves in one direction regression. However, I do grieve. Facing this is the most painful challenge I've ever encountered. Tears, desperation, anger, and confusion have surrounded us. For months, I felt like I could pray for anything but my son. Watching neurotypical children give up on playing with my unresponsive son is a pain I never saw coming. and never thought I'd be a father to a child with special needs. I mean, just even relieving that anguish and journaling and just being able to trust God with the depths of my heart has been so healing, even though I'm not seeing things exactly as I wish they were. I go on to write, in the midst of this darkness, God spoke to my pregnant wife. Remember when you were pregnant? I, yes. Yes. God spoke to my pregnant wife. I am healing your son. Even against those who tell me this autism only regresses, I cling to these words. I am unwilling to give up on hope. We are fighting for our son. In the last six months, we've read a dozens of books, changed Obi's diet, and enrolled him in six therapy sessions a week. In the first month, eye contact came back. In the second month, he started repeating words again. In the third month, he began pointing for the first time. In the fourth month, he started asking me to read books with him for the first time. In the fifth month, he started potty training. And as I read this, and I know that we've even gone further from this post a year ago, and I'm fighting for the future, and I have a renewed strength because I believe this from the depths of my heart. God has helped my son so much. God has helped our family so much a year ago. And if he helped us back then, he can do it again. If God helped us back then, he can do it again. And because we've recorded, we can remember the goodness of God, and it rises up faith. Faith has come by the hearing of God's word. And my faith is renewed and stirred again as I recount the blessings and the faithfulness and the provision of God. If God did it back then for my son, if God did it back then for our family and our marriage and for our finances and for our sicknesses and for us, he can do it again. And so God, we will not forget your faithfulness. We will not forget how you come through over and over 
over again. We will not have short-term memory. Lord, like David said in Psalms 103, we will not forget the benefits of God. So we praise the Lord, I tell myself, and never forget the good things he does for me. You are faithful and you will forever be faithful. You are good from generation to generation. You are my provider and I know your word is good for it. You don't forget your promises, Lord. And if you did it back then, you will do it again. And so that's why we journal. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your words, how you've spoken to us, for your provision. And Lord, I pray that we would not suffer from short-term memory. We would be able to journal the eternal goodness you've showed with us. And so, Lord, we trust you even when things don't look like we want. In the name of Jesus. Well, I really hope that you enjoyed that sermon. We're going to have a new one posted every single Monday. So see you back next week. And if you're ever in the Seattle area, we would love to have you join us in church. Go to kalos.church or follow us on social media at Kalos Church for more information. See you next time.